Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Jay Kokorowski here, along with John McNamara. Hope your 4th of July weekend uh, is going well, and hopefully on the 4th, you everyone was safe, responsible, but overall had a good time. And uh, we are doing a kind of a later podcast this week. Uh, usually we record around Thursdays, but with the holiday, giving us some a little bit of rest. Uh, John did a little bit of golfing, which I, I'm jealous about, uh, and uh, I... I drank and i ate a lot of ice cream so I, I was happy with that but john man it's uh of course news never stops and you know hitting it right off the bat uh the biggest news not surprising i would say uh from what we've talked about on this podcast jalen johnson uh you know obviously one of the top five players in the nation according to rivals uh for the 2020 class finally announces his decision and he is headed to duke yeah, and that's that's kind of what you you know if you followed his recruitment pretty closely, um, that's what you thought was was most likely going to happen. Uh, he had Wisconsin as his top four, along with Duke, Kentucky, and Arizona. And of those four, it really seemed like you know Duke and Kentucky are probably ahead of the pack. And um, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but you know, I put in a fan cast or uh, a future. I'm sorry, a future cast prediction for Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm over a year ago to Duke and, you know, his camp has refuted that he had any leaders, um, you know, throughout his recruitment and stuff like that. But I think there was a lot of signs that he liked Duke quite a bit. And I mean, why wouldn't you? It's, it's arguably the top college basketball program in the country. Uh, you get to play for a legendary head coach and um, you know, Jalen Johnson is obviously a guy who has a plan of most likely playing one year of college basketball. And then, um, you know, if he stays healthy and con- continues to, develop the way that you know everyone expects him to um you know he would you know most likely be a lottery pick after after one year at duke so um you know it's it's tough for wisconsin to see a kid from inside the state leave um you know that's i don't want to call it a pattern but you know that's that's happened in the last you know handful of years where you know a top guy has left the state so um you know duke's getting an, an excellent player in jalen johnson i mean he's truly a guy that can do just about every everything on the court you know, he's six foot nine, uh, you know, he handles the ball well, he shoots the ball well, he gets to the rim, he defends. And, you know, maybe the thing that doesn't get it talked about enough with him is his ability to pass, his ability to see the court is is really at, a, at an elite level. Um, I've got a chance to see him uh, quite a bit, you know, being close, you know, when he was in some prairie and then now at Nicolay. And um, he's an excellent player. He's a great kid for Duke. And it's, it's tough for Wisconsin, you know, especially Wisconsin's fans to see, you know, one of the top five players in the country leave the state and and go to a, you know, quote unquote blue blood school in Duke. Right. And I guess, you know, with that, we'll, we'll get to the stigma of the Wisconsin. John and I were talking before this podcast and we'll, we'll likely talk about the stigma of Wisconsin, not keeping in-state players within the state borders uh, in just a second, but real quick too. And we, I think we've talked about this in in podcasts past since we've started this revamped podcast, uh, of course, powered by overtime media, Really, John, what's next for Wisconsin then where they have three commits on this 2020 class? You have Lauren Bowman, they have Jordan Davis, they have Jonathan Davis. But, you know, is it Ben Carlson? Is it Zeb Key? Uh, who who stands out as, as who Wisconsin will target and how many will they target for the rest of this 2020 class? Yeah, and, you know, going back to Johnson, it, what helps Wisconsin here is that this news wasn't you know, all that surprising to them, you know, it wasn't crippling to them uh, like it was with Tyler Hero. Uh, you know, Tyler Hero's decommitment from Wisconsin, 
when he did at that point in the summer was really difficult because one, he was committed for a very long time and you weren't recruiting other guys. And two, um, you know, it, it just came at a, a real tough time, you know, during, it was right before the last, I think the last live evaluation period. So they had to go and scramble and, and put out more offers. This isn't the case this time around. Um, obviously Johnson was not committed, but I think the staff felt that he was likely leaning towards Duke um, for the last, you know, couple weeks or, you know, most likely even a couple months. So, you know, this isn't a situation where Greg Gardner and his staff have to scramble. You know, they have offers in place and they have targets in place. And that really hasn't changed with Johnson's uh, decision yesterday uh, to go to Duke. So, you know, like you brought up Ben Carlson, he's a longtime target for Wisconsin, uh, a four-star forward from Minnesota. Um, you know, Wisconsin's been there. Stanford's been a school that's been mentioned, Northwestern, Purdue, Xavier. Uh, he hasn't come out with a you know his top five or a trim down list yet, but uh, I would imagine when he's ready to do that, Wisconsin will be involved there. Uh, Zed Key is a, is a guy that's kind of blown up this summer. Uh, he's a guy that was recently offered by Wisconsin and, and a handful of other schools. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can get him on campus, but he's been you know one of the top prospects in the country in terms of you know guys that have seen their stock blow up recently. So um, I'm not exactly sure where where Wisconsin sits with him. Um, and then, you know, one of Jalen Johnson's teammates with Phenom University on the AAU front, um, Carter Gilmore, is a guy that we've talked about on the podcast, attended Wisconsin's advanced camp and performed really well, attended Wisconsin's team camp and performed really well. So, you know, he might be, uh, you know, like maybe like a notch below Carlson where if, you know, he decides to go elsewhere, maybe they take a look at Carter Gilmore. So, um, you know, there's, there's a handful of guys they're still looking at. In this 2020 class, I would ownership available, or that's kind of their mindset to to fill one more spot in this class. And you know, I think Carlson's atop the board, but they do have some other options behind him as well. And I think maybe you know, kind of looking at this too, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you know, we've also seen stuff on social media. Um, maybe there's some frustration where you see guys like Tyler Hero, who, who was a one and done, and then he's you know, obviously now heading to you know he was at Kentucky and now is uh, was a first round draft pick of the Miami Heat you have obviously Jalen Johnson with the news yesterday going to Duke the Hauser brothers uh obviously first Sam you know going to Marquette and then Joey following and then once they the transfer plans not to rehash everything there but now Sam's going to Virginia and Joey will play at Michigan State I, I guess you know talking about the stigma of Wisconsin, not keeping in-state players in-state. Is it fair? Is it unfair? I think it's unfair with these circumstances. Uh, it, I don't know if you agree with me there because, you know, I know what Jalen Johnson uh, established a relationship early with Wisconsin, the, the Wisconsin coaching staff, from what it sounds like, had was in early like they were with DJ Carlton uh, back, uh, you know, a, a class earlier, a class or two earlier, I should say. Um, but how, you know, is it fair to, discuss this where you know they also you know they they locked down jonathan davis and jordan davis uh just a few weeks ago on top of that years past 2017 class they got kobe king uh from lacrosse area so i'm, I'm wondering you know how how, did, how should badger fans digest this news it's, it's disappointing you know from the point of they're not keeping you know the hero or a johnson within the state. Yeah. And I think football is obviously different than basketball uh, and just the way things are set up, you know, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, is it 
what are your thoughts when it comes to the stigma of, of Wisconsin and maybe even Marquette for the most part too, you know, outside of the Housers, uh, Henry Ellenson, uh, you know, not keeping those other highly touted in-state players within the state borders. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And, you know, maybe the biggest thing is, uh, you know, it's football recruiting and basketball recruiting are, are not the same. Uh, I think there's a lot of differences there. And particularly, you know, from a Wisconsin point of view, you know, Wisconsin football f- recruiting fans or, or people who follow that are very used to, okay, if an in-state kid gets offered, uh, you know, 99 times out of 100, he's going to wind up at Wisconsin. And, you know, that's a, that's a credit to what Barry Alvarez established. That's a credit to what Brett Bielman was able to do. I don't know how much I can speak for Gary Anderson in his short time here. I think he, he rubbed a lot of high school coaches from inside the state the wrong way. And what Paul Chris has been able to do. And, uh, you know, all those coaches have done an excellent job of making Wisconsin kids feel like a priority, you know, you know treating the high school coaches the right way and building those relationships. And, you know, things have worked out very well on that front. It's it's different in basketball where, you know, if you offer an in-state kid, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they grew up loving Wisconsin and, and that's the program that they're going to play for just because they got that offer. It's, you know, I've talked about it before. I think it's more about relationships with, you know, AAU programs. I don't think that's the sole, you know, number one top biggest thing. But, you know, if you look at the guys Wisconsin has had success with in the past, um, you know, you look at their AAU programs. You have D1 Minnesota, um, obviously out of the state of Minnesota, which has, you know, produced uh, Nate Reavers and Tyler Wall. Uh, if you look at the Wisconsin Playground Warriors, uh, now Wisconsin Playground Club, you know, they've, they've produced a lot of kids that, that have wound up at Wisconsin. You know, most recently, like you talked about, Jake Jordan and Jonathan Davis. Um, you know, Howard Pauley is a program that they've, you know, Wisconsin's had good relationships with. So I think it has more to do with, with their, those connections there than it does with having offered an in-state kid and expecting them to wind up at, at Wisconsin. So, um, you know, the second part of that is, is should fans be concerned? You know, I, I think it's a, it's a topic of conversation. And if you're a fan of Wisconsin, it's certainly something that you're going to talk about. So I, you know, I don't really want to, you know, advise fans to, to feel a certain way or to, to talk about things that they're passionate about or not talk about things because they shouldn't be. But um, I just, I will say it's different in football and basketball. And I think you've seen that, uh, you know, quite a bit in the last handful of years because of the state of Wisconsin that they selected outside of the Badgers. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's going to be, I mean, well, it's, I guess, with looking ahead, like, are there any 2021 or, you know, later players that you think in state that Wisconsin will look at? Uh, I mean, I know one name that stands out, obviously one of the best in the nation for the 2021 class, uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. That plays in your neck of the woods in the Milwaukee Metro area. Uh, you know, how are they looking to keep in those, you know, other highly touted players in the 2021 state, uh, do you think that they're going to look to keep more in there or, you know, or target them? Uh, but also, I'm, I also know like with 2021 too, John, that a guy like Matthew, you know, Moore's, uh, you know, who's from farther out West, you know, they've been looking at him for a while too. So uh, do you think there are any 2021 players that are going to, they're going to be offered by Wisconsin in from in, within the state that could be viable contenders? 
Uh, good question. And the, you know, you talked about uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, he obviously he has an offer from Wisconsin, and he either right now will or in the future will have an offer from you know every top program in the country. Um, I'd be very surprised if he wound up at Wisconsin. I think he's another kid that most likely ends up at Duke or one of those you know blue blood programs. Um, you know, he's he's just another kid. You know, we have him. Right now, as a number three player in the 2021 class, uh, you know, in our initial rankings, he was the top player in the 2021 class. Uh, you know, and he's he's as good as it gets. I mean, you talk about a guy with his size, uh, you know, six foot eight, six foot nine, can shoot the ball, can handle the ball, uh, does everything well, can guard. Uh, he's he's an incredible player, and you know, it's it's interesting because of of the level of talent that you've had from inside the state. You know, that elite elite type of talent. Now it's, it's great to have them from inside the state, but it's, it's even more difficult to, to see them go if you follow the, you know, the Wisconsin basketball program. So it's uh, you know, obviously you'd love to have those kids wind up at Wisconsin, but um, you know, a guy like Patrick Baldwin jr. He does have an offer, but you know, I'd be surprised if he did wind up at Wisconsin when he's ready to make his decision, uh, you know, somewhere down the road. Now looking at the other side, Maybe uh, to get the, you know, for Wisconsin Badger fans, some quote-unquote bad news out of the way, 2020 wide receiver Dylan Miller commits to Arizona. He was recently one that we talked about, I think it was the last podcast, John, about receiving an offer late last week from Wisconsin and how the feeling was, was I mean, two of their other wide receiver targets, Daniel Jackson had committed to Minnesota, and then on top of that too, Parker Washington committed this past week to Penn state. So yeah, that was another option for a kid from the Arizona area. Um, you know what, I guess going forward, you know, they have Chimray DK from Waukesha North part of its 20, uh, 20 class or 2019 class. I should, or 2020 class. I'm sorry. Um, but what's next, uh, for, for that position, do you feel? I still think they're, they're going to look to take another guy, uh, to pair with uh, DK in this class, and you know, like you talked about, Jake, they they've missed on some guys now. Uh, some of their top guys have have went to other schools, but I, you know, I don't think Wisconsin's in any sort of panic mode. I think they'll just continue to evaluate guys. Um, you know, there's a few other guys right now that have that that either have offers or I think will be offered in the near future. But with with the dead period right now, I don't know how much you'll hear in the next couple of days or so. But um, you know, you'll, you'll see them kind of re-examine their recruiting board at wide receiver. And I think they'll put, you know, another offer or two out there. Um, you know, it could be a prospect that that's been on the radar for some time, or it could be someone new. It could also be someone who's committed to a different school right now. So again, I think there's a long way to go. You have all fall to get guys on campus for, for unofficial visits. And then, you know, you get your top targets on campus for official visits in the 2020 class. So, um, you know, even though they've had a difficult little run here at wide receiver, um, I, I think there's still plenty of time for them to add an impact guy in this 2020 class to pair with Chimere DK. Well, then, too, uh, looking at maybe some good news for Wisconsin, out of the Athens, Georgia area, Lyneth Whitehead listed as an inside linebacker, according to rivals. But, uh, you know, from the article that uh, Chad Simmons list, you know, published yesterday, Wisconsin is in, in is in his top seven. He announced that, but also uh, sounds like there's some good news on the way, potentially in terms of a form, pos- possible visit, an official visit uh, this upcoming season for Whitehead to 
Madison uh, and the Wisconsin campus. And it sounds like based off, not to give away too much from Chad, but it sounds like they're looking at him possibly at running back. Yeah. And he's, he's a big dude. You know, like you said, Jake, we have him listed as an inside linebacker. Uh, but you know, he's, he's six two, two hundred thirty five 235 pounds. And, uh, he, like you talked about with Chad Simmons, our, our writer out of the Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia, he said that Wisconsin's the only school that's recruited him has a running back right now, uh, which is certainly interesting and, you know, a, a unique opportunity for him. Now I will say, you know, a, a kid from Georgia with an offer from the Bulldogs, if Georgia really wants this kid, I would imagine that it's going to be nearly impossible to get him outside the state. But, you know, if, if they're looking at a handful of other, you know, uh, linebacker targets and, you know, he feels like, Hey, I'd, I'd really love to see the opportunity that Wisconsin can present at, at uh, tailback uh, at the next level. Um, then, then things could get interesting. And, you know, like you talked about Jake, it sounds like he'll take an official visit to Wisconsin this fall. And, you know, he would, he's, a, he's an awfully intriguing guy out of the state of Georgia, but you know, when, when kids from that state are high priority targets for the Bulldogs, you know, rarely do they leave, you know, especially to a school, you know, outside the SEC conference. Going forward to, let's, let's actually, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. You guys, from those of the badgerblitz.com subscribers, they y'all submitted a bunch of questions that John and I couldn't even get to it in one recording. So we're going to get back to those from this past Sunday, this past weekend. We're going to answer some of those questions coming up right after the break here on the badgerblitz.com podcast powered by overtime media. We are back here, BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I'm Jake Kokorowski. We got John McNamara here on this Friday afternoon, wrapping up the show with some mailbag. It's going to be a probably a long segment, too. Uh, we have, You guys talked, you guys gave us so many questions, which we appreciate. Every couple of weeks, we're going to keep rolling this out, I think. It's fun. It's a way for your subscribers to ask their questions. And uh, we ask you, you know, a bunch of you signed up in the month of June. It's already July. It's crazy. And really, you know, John, this is going to be, it'll be fun for us. Uh, and let's just hit this off right off the bat uh, from user Jay Suddy. He sent us a few of them, looks like. Um, first one, with sack rates declining so much last season, some of that can be due to lo- talent loss. And he, uh, Jay Suddy lists a few of the names. Uh, but to reach that top five level, it needs to be replaced. From what you've seen in practices, do Bond, Burks, Isaiah Green, May, et cetera, have the talent to play in the NFL, or should expectations be lowered significantly? Um, I'll let you go first with this one. This one, I have my thoughts on this one, but I'll let you go first. Uh, the NFL talk, I, it's, it's tough for me to say. Um, you know, yeah, I think you start with Bond and, you know, Jake, you can speak to this a little bit more, but I think he was nicked up all of last year. And, you know, you kind of couple that with Van Ginkle and the injuries that he definitely had. And, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really think that you got to see, you know, what maybe that defense expected from that outside linebacker position a year ago. Um, because that, like I said, I, I think, I think Bond was nicked up and obviously Van Ginkle was not a hundred percent and he missed a handful of games. Um, you know, from that list that you, that you gave, um, Green May is the intriguing one, especially if you're talking about, you know, sacks and getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, what we were able to see in, in spring camp, um, you know, it looked like on some third down packages, Green May was in there. And, you know, he's a guy, what, 6'6", you know, 235, 240. 
coming off that edge, you know, with, with some fresh legs and, you know, just on third downs and, you know, with, with, you know, obviously Jim Leonard just saying, Hey, get to the quarterback here. I think he brings a really unique skill set, and I'm excited to see what they do with him in fall camp and obviously into the, the 2019 season there. So um, I don't know how much I can speak to, you know, Bond and, you know, potentially Burks who I really haven't seen a whole lot of uh, just yet in, in their projections to the NFL, but um, I think they bring some intriguing stuff to the position, and, and especially a guy like Green May. It, you know, if they can use him where he can uh, be the most effective, and that kind of looks like third downs at least right now. Um, that's a really interesting wrinkle to put on film uh, in in 2019. Yeah, I I am intrigued. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I had heard Jim Leonard had a conversation with the media talking about, um, and I'll have to look at this, and I'll put this into my outside linebackers preview i'll remember this part because there's also something someone had asked about tyler johnson in the message boards a day or two ago that i'd answered but really um yeah i think there was something with that jim had mentioned regarding bond and maybe being it's it's one of those things where they're nicked up where it's not necessarily you know the bump it's the the bruises or it, there's something you know there are injuries that aren't really i mean during the course of the season they're all they may get you know banged up a little bit or whatnot where maybe it's not necessarily it's not like someone has a dislocate dislocated shoulder like Olive Sanga Paulo did last year or you know other players um when they're on the injury list or Andrew Van Ginkle with you know his ankle or, or lower leg injury. So you know I do agree. I don't think you saw the potential of the group, especially with Van Ginkle out or not even out, just not being a hundred percent that really hurt the the pass rush where I thought he would he was one of the most athletic players on that defense last year but if you have a a bummed wheel uh that really significantly hurts any chance of really you know productivity at that position um spring ball I think Bond's got a chance I really do I I I like how it seems like you know you look read on uwbadgers.com he's one of the four captains during spring or during winter conditioning uh I I think you know, now this is last year was his year to work off some of the rust after missing 2017 with that foot injury. But I, I think big things could be coming from him. Um, I'm especially high on him. Burks, we saw in the base three, four look uh, as kind of the first teamer kind of got established towards the end of camp. But then you mentioned it too, John, the Isaiah green may, I think there's a lot of potential there. He's about, you know, He's 6'6", about 225, 223, 225. He told me at the end of spring ball that he wants to gain another five or six pounds, which can only help his frame. Uh, I think he'll continue to grow. He's a redshirt sophomore. And you know this is his third set of uh, spring practices because he enrolled early as well. So uh, if he can become a pass rusher on third down, and you know he had, he had uh, one practice, at least one TFL, and then a tip pass too. So that shows some potential out of that nickel look. I think he could be, uh, quite a pass rushing threat, you know, but I, we still need more to be seen. We need to see more before really making any, any more, you know, I would say predictions there, but I do see the talent. I just, it, they need to continue to grow and develop. Uh, and that's, uh, it should be interesting to watch in fall camp. Um, another question too, can we expect better O-line discipline this season? What might have contributed to this issue, you know, to these issues? Uh, was it an O-line thing, a quarterback problem? Was there something else going on? Um, talking about last year, and thanks to Jay Study again for this question. I think they will. I think they'll need to, um, just with new faces, and they'll need to gel with that whoever top five it could be. 
And, you know, you did see a lot of procedural penalties against guys that were very, you would think that they were, you know, it's part of a group that was starting together for a while. So I don't know. I'm, I think, I think they should, the expectation should always be for an O-line to have as few as penalties as possible, of course. Um, in you know, in terms of what, who, what caused it, I don't know, John, like, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm sure it's a combination of both not to cop out on this, but I'm sure it's part of, it's an O-line thing. If they're facing a certain pass rusher or, you know, quarterback, you know, Alex Hornibrook, mm-hmm. you know, going through his kind of a regression, but also battling injuries there. Um, I don't think there's anything else really going on. I think it's just one of those, like last year was just kind of the a mix of everything coming together and blah, you have this issue of just some procedural penalties that, that hurt Wisconsin on the offensive line. Yeah, and it was puzzling, especially with the experience and the talent that you had there. Uh, to see stuff like that, uh, you know, you it, you don't have a great answer for it. And like you, you said, Jake, I think it would be a combination of, of a few things. And, you know, it's like when you don't hit your free throws in basketball. Uh, you know, obviously Wisconsin goes out there and they, they shoot free throws in practice and they, they work on that and it's something they do every single day. And I think it's very much the same, you know, when you're working on the offensive line, you know, with – the snap count or jumping off sides or, you know, picking up a, a, a blitzer and, you know, what your assignment is. I, I just think that it's something that you drill all the time and, you know, you can't just go back and say, oh, actually they just weren't doing this and this is the reason why, you know, they had the issues there. So, you know, obviously it's something that, that they put on tape last year and they're, they're certainly going to work to correct. Um, I don't know that it, Joe Rudolph did anything different this spring to, you know, adjust to that or, or, you know, to, to try to remedy that problem. I think that, you know, he trusts what he's, what he's doing. And, you know, obviously they've, they've had really good results um, outside of, you know, the, a few of the things that we talked about last year and the, those, those kind of mental errors. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's something that's going to continue. I don't think it's something that, you know, there's, there's something wrong in, in their, their way of going about things. And unless it changes, you're going to continue to see the same thing. So, I would expect to jump back to what most Wisconsin fans um, would expect on the offensive line. But again, uh, I guess only time will tell. But um, I think it's probably more of a blip in the radar last year than it was of something that we can expect uh, moving forward. And then last question from Jay Suddy. During spring practice, the players and coaches talked about better balance in the run-pass game. Do we have reason to ex- uh, to expect improvement from the quarterback position and in pass protection to actually make this change ap- uh, applicable? Um, do you compare how Cohn and Mo- Mertz looked at quarterback uh, compared to Alex Hornibrook in previous spring practices? Ooh, that's a lot to unload there. Um, let's let's start with uh, do you do we have reason to expect improvement from the quarterback position and in pass protection to actually make this happen? I would. I'll say yes on the improvement from the quarterback position because last year, I mean, and I was just finished up doing a, our wide receivers preview. I'm starting my pre-drafting on these position previews that'll go out starting next week, folks. And I looked at, I mean, Wisconsin was 90th in pass efficiency and uh, in, in among the lower teams in terms of passing yards per game. So I think it, it can only go up. I think Jack Cohn, you know, if he is the starter, and I'm just saying if, because based off of, his, he's the only quarterback that has real significant game time experience. Uh, Danny Vandenboom got in in three games, was in the mop up time, uh, though he looked good. In, I would say in, in those and how he looked there. But um, I think whoever starts, if it's Cone, if it's Mertz, if if Wolf or Vandenboom put together 
uh, more than solid. Uh, they can find ways to overcome those two as well. I think there should be some improvement. I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Uh, and, and in pass protection, that's going to be a big question too, because I know for as good as Wisconsin was in the run game and being one of the top teams uh, on the ground last season, especially opening up the holes for Jonathan Taylor, sometimes there were lapses in sacks and, you know, sometimes too, you know, uh, an old colleague of mine, Owen Reese, would, you know, he's a former college lineman and out of however many 60 to 70 offensive snaps, if, if they get beat two or three times, oh man, this offensive line is, is you know, is terrible. Um, but I think with who they have coming back, and there's some experience, Cole Van Lannon, I'm high on. I like Tyler Biotish, of course. Uh, I think Logan Bruss, you know, and Joe Rudolph's talked about how athletic he is. I like, uh, I, and, you know, at the interior line, you know, you have David Mormon, who Joe Rudolph praised. You have Jason Erdman, who's had big time experience. He's played in 40 games already. Uh, going into his senior year, you have Caden Lyles, who's athletic, a former four-star lineman, who offensive lineman, who selflessly went over and gained game experience playing, uh, you know, on you know on defensive line last season. I think, I think it could happen. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Of course, we have to see how they do in fall camp and how that leads into the season. Uh, on that part of the question, I'll say, um, John, and I'll let you know I'll let you answer next. You know, in terms of that. I think I think there is reason to be optimistic that this that this offense can become less one dimensional as it was last year. Yeah, and taking that first part of the question, the balance, you have to expect that starts to uh, trend more to <laughs> to more balance. I would say, right? Um, you know, if you go back to that, I think you know the Northwestern game last year where Jack Cohn was. Uh, made his first start, you know, how much of the playbook do you think he was actually operating on for that game? I would say, oh, you know, five, much. 5%, 10% of the playbook. And, you know, it, it really showed, um, I, you know, Paul, Chris, I don't want to say didn't trust him, but I think he said, Hey, look, with, with the circumstances we have right now, you know, this is what we feel comfortable running. And this is what I feel comfortable giving Jack Cohn to run. And, you know, with the experience that he got last year, you know, going through, uh, even off-season conditioning, like, hey, you know, I'm I'm the number one guy now, and this is my job to lose. And then going through the spring, and getting those reps, and and taking it in the summer, and, and getting another fall camp coming up, you would imagine that you know just about all of that playbook should be available to him, uh, and he's got the reps under his belt. He has more confidence. So I think I think you know in terms of the balance, I I think that'll start evening itself out. And you know you have three good proven wide receivers and you know, maybe the top, uh, you know, receiving tight end in, in the Big Ten in, in Jake Ferguson. So there, there's going to be options there. You know, you'd have a Heisman Trophy candidate in the backfield. Um, I think you'd like to maybe get less predictable with Jonathan Taylor. I think fans want to see him on the field, you know, for third downs because, you know, if you look at last year, and obviously it's you can't just say one, a few things to sum up a whole year, but it was Taylor, Taylor, Groshik. So, you know, it was run, run pass and that seemed to be very predictable um you'd like to see maybe a little bit more creativity there where you know a guy like Jonathan Taylor is out there on third downs to to you know have the defense question okay are they going to run here because Taylor's on the field or are they going to pass uh so I, I think if you got a little bit more creative there in terms of the, your even your personnel that's on the field I think that helped with the balance as well 
Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, too, I th- it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, Wisconsin gained – there was some stat out there. I, I, I don't know the credit, so I apologize for not crediting this, but I thought there was a thing where Wisconsin gained, like, set over seven yards per carry on first down, which set up normally good things. But, yeah, like, the balance will – and that was with mostly – you know, defenses throwing eight or nine in the box. They knew what was coming. They still couldn't stop them. I don't know if that's going to be the same thing this year with a revamped line losing, you know, I would say three starters because I, I view Van Lannon as a starter and how many reps he got from uh, when Dietzen was, was injured. So it should be really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm intrigued when fall camp rolls around and for however many pack practices, Wisconsin allows us to view uh, that's still TBD. They haven't told us yet. Uh, but uh, that'll be something that we watch there as well. Uh, and that last part of the question, can you compare how Cone and Mertz looked at, at quarterback compared to Alex Hornibrook in previous spring practices? Um, from what I saw, and, and for those that don't know, you know, I went to seven of the eight practices that were open in the media. Stomach bug be damned on the last Tuesday uh, of April that I couldn't go out there uh, from one of my boys that were sick. Um, you know, I I can't really compare. I mean. Hornybrook would look good, you know, from the past two or three spring balls. I would say probably the past two spring balls, you know, kind of locked in as the starter. You know, he's looked solid and they, they all make mistakes during spring ball. I think that's maybe the, the one comparison I can make. That's the time that you're allowed to make mistakes to grow. Work on your timing with your receivers. See what throws you can or can't make because fall camp rolls around. You're preparing for the season, so you should know what you can and can't do. Obviously, you try to improve during fall camp too, but there's always some competition there. And, you know, I would say, you know, Alex Hornibrook in during spring ball, John, uh, and from those practices that you saw when you were able to get up here to Madison, you know, I always felt Hornibrook could throw a really good deep ball during during practices. Uh, I remember even yeah. Derek Tindall a couple of springs ago uh, when he worked at wide receiver because there were so many injuries at that position group. He worked over at wide receiver in, in the 2017 spring ball camp, and he came down with a few big catches inside the McLean Center. This year, I didn't see a lot of, you know, deep throws, maybe towards the end. Uh, I think the last two Fridays, I thought Jack Cohen threw the best ball, uh, some of the best footballs that he's thrown in his Wisconsin career from what I had seen. Uh, that Especially that April 26th practice uh, on the North Field outside of Camp Randall, where he just, you know, he threw deep balls to A.J. Taylor that were on the money. Mertz had a deep throw too to that, uh, to that extent. And even on seven on sevens in the first open practice of the media, Mertz, had uh, you know he showcased it in seven seven work hitting Aaron Crookshank for a deep probably like a 40 to 50 yard touchdown would be touchdown in that session so um it's hard to say because I think uh no one's going to replace that experience from Hornybrook uh you know for having started over 30 games and you know having that type of leadership and, and knowing and being in big games but I think they all kind of look similar uh, and it, it's hard for me to really differentiate between those two because spring ball is just, they're, they're working on improving. They're working to compete for fall camp reps, but it really is a chance for, and Wisconsin approaches it this way. In my opinion, they approach it to get better and to improve upon themselves uh, to get ready for spring ball or to, to get ready for fall camp. I don't know much I can add to that, Jake. I think you said it pretty well. Um, I, you know, all eyes are going to be on Mertz and and Jack Cohn th- this fall. And and I would stress though there are all you know two other quarterbacks who will be in fall camp. Um, so it, it's yeah. it'll be interesting. And, you know, it's it's if you're a fan of Wisconsin, it, it's an exciting time for you. You know, and you know every time I talk about Graham Mertz, I think 
I say that you know fans should be excited about him. He's the highest rated quarterback to ever come to Wisconsin, and you know he's legit. I mean, he's he's ultra talented. Now, you know what will he do in fall camp? That remains to be seen. But I think it's it's great conversation. Um, it's a, it's going to be a great battle, I think, between those two, uh, and we'll see what happens. So uh, I'm excited for fall camp, and I'm excited for the 2019 season to see what happens at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you hit it on that with the other two quarterbacks. Yeah, I know there's Mertz and there's Cohn, but I, I I still think Chase Wolf may be the most dynamic quarterback on this roster because of his mobility, and we saw during spring ball, and his arm strength. I, I argue he has the strongest arm from what I saw out of the four quarterbacks in the, the seven practices that I viewed personally. But uh, I'm also, you know, it, he also has to work on his decision-making, and he noted that. John Budmeyer mentioned he's got the arm strength to make any throw, just when to make that throw. So, again, decision-making there. So, I mean, uh, you know, even in my my position preview too, I, I'm, I'm on the line where do I include Wolf with Mertz and Cohn because I still feel like that potential is there. Or will it take another, you know, year of seasoning for for Wolf to contend? Um, we'll see. Come up uh, in in August, but you know, now we're going to go to Super Badger. Um, two questions from him: Who do you think they will end up with at running back? I assume this is for the twenty twenty class. John, you've seen players. You know, obviously Reggie Love's gone to Illinois. Um, uh, Blake Horam went uh, to another Big Ten program, uh, Michigan. You, you know, Demonte, uh, Trim, uh, you know, Diamante Tranium went off to Arizona. Uh, and of course, uh, they, Wisconsin had Kevontre Bradford on campus for an official visit um, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and we talked about Lyneth Whitehead being offered as a running back. And um, who do you think will wind up as uh, Wisconsin's 2020 running back? It's uh, a great question. Um, I, you know, obviously, I think Bradford might be the easiest answer because he's the you know uncommitted running back who's who's, who's already taken an official visit. Um, but again, I think I've said it on here maybe the last time he talked. I don't think he's he's nearing a decision or ready to decide. Uh, he sounds like a guy that might want to take all five official visits. Um, I, I think Wisconsin is in a good position with him, but again, I think there's a lot of time left. Uh, uh, you know, and again, I think they're going to really after this you know this this dead period look at their board. Maybe put out another offer too. Um, obviously, we talked about Whitehead early in the podcast, and he's an intriguing option. But again, I think if, if Georgia wants him, he's going to stay inside the state. Um, you know, you don't have to just look at guys who are uncommitted right now. Uh, you know, you you saw what they did with Jonathan Taylor, who was committed to Rutgers, and they worked him and they worked him and they got him on campus and they got him to flip. So, uh, you know, there's they're not really narrowed in right now. You know, they haven't. You know, lost out on on a few guys, and they only have a couple more guys remaining. I think that you know they'll they'll search again. You know, they'll they'll look at guys who are committed. They'll look at guys who are uncommitted, um, and and they'll you know kind of move forward accordingly. So uh, again, there's a lot of time remaining. I think there's a lot could, that could happen at the running back position. So I you know I don't feel great about one particular guy right now. I think Bradford might be the easiest answer, but but that's only because he's the only guy right now that's that's uncommitted who's who's been on campus for an official visit. And coming up um, there, Super Badger has another question. And what about defensive tackle? Who is the staff liking going into fall camp from the defensive line perspective? Um, I guess, you know, what about defensive tackle? I'm, again, I'm assuming it's for the 2020 class. Um, you know, who are after, of course, you know, Nash Huttmacher, and we talked about it after the uh, his, you know, after his commitment to Nebraska last weekend. 
Um, who are any other names that have sticking out from what you, besides the names that you mentioned maybe last week? Not, you know, not really again, because there hasn't been much activity with, with, you know, the, the circumstances of the recruiting calendar right now. Um, I like Willis Singleton Jr., the kid from, from Illinois. And I talked to him after he visited in the spring and he, he really liked Wisconsin. He felt like he was closer to an offer. And I thought he could be the next guy in line if Huttmacher went elsewhere. Now, obviously he has, he's committed in Nebraska. So, and I'll be curious to see if, if new offers do go out to a guy like Singleton or even a guy like Dane Middlebrook, who you wrote about, Jake, who performed really well at Wisconsin's camp. I also would say that Wisconsin doesn't have to have a, a defensive tackle slash nose guard in this class. Um, it, it would be very nice. I think you'd like to get one every year. But, uh, you know, Bryson Williams is just going into his sophomore year, and, you know, he's he's got a lot of football ahead of him, you know, assuming that he stays healthy. Uh, you know, in the three guys that they brought in the 29th, in the 2019 class, Rodas Johnson, uh, Gio Paez, and Keanu Benton, you know, all three of those guys could play inside if you needed them to. I think Paez, you know, probably projects best to the defensive end. I think he's got a lot of Connor Sheehy in him. Uh, but Johnson, uh, you know, he's another guy who could play end too, but I think he maybe he starts inside and Benton, you know, he's another guy who starts inside. So I think you got, you feel like you got three guys there right now in a position that, you know, you don't necessarily need on the field all the time. You know, Jake, you, you saw this last year uh, with a lot of sets with just two down linemen uh, that they used to, you know, like to use an obvious passing yep. down. So um, it's not a position that you need on the field for, you know, all four downs. Uh, so, again, I think you'd like to take someone in this class, but I don't think you have to, you know, necessarily reach on anyone if you don't feel like a guy is, you know, up to your caliber or, you know, up to, you know, I guess, quote unquote, Wisconsin standard uh, in terms of the quality that, that you need at that position. Right. And I'll answer the last part of the question about some of the defensive line perspective for the, who the staff's liking. I, I think you obviously have to, I mean, we haven't, haven't had a chance to really talk to Anoki Brechterfield at all. You haven't had a chance to talk to, uh, you know, guys, you know, or Jim Leonard since mid April and, and the defensive line really wasn't a lot of, uh, I'm trying to think back to some of the discussions that he had, there, I mean, you they have to like obviously Isaiah Loudermilk if he can stay healthy. They have to like Garrett Rand coming back and working his way back into some reps. And it was mostly obviously indie work and recovering from that Achilles injury. So, you know, it was a so there's still work there. Uh, you know, obviously, with if those two can stay healthy, uh, which at times obviously has been rough, especially last year with Rand being out, but obviously Loudermilk missing some time too that could really solidify the defensive line. Um, Bryson Williams, you mentioned earlier, I like him a lot, uh, defensive line and being a second year player, a sophomore, he still got at least two more seasons unless injury hits there uh, that causes him the red shirt. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess too, I think you also have to look at guys like, you know, who's going to step up. Um, I like Isaiah Mullins. Uh, you know, I think he could, you know, he's got the size in the frame, um, but, you know, will you know will he be able to take that next step and continue to improve? He, you know, he's got the physical part of it down. It looks like can he can he make get the the mental part of it down with with the four eye technique that Wisconsin uses often. Uh, but you mentioned it too with you know even with the sub packages, uh, a lot of nickel packages for Wisconsin go. It's a, a four two five look uh, where you have you know essentially two defensive linemen on the inside as like pseudo D tackles, and then you have 
uh, and those techniques. And then you have two outside linebackers on the edge. So um, it will be, it, I mean, that's going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask probably Brechterfield coming up once Wisconsin media day is set up uh, down the road, but it, you know, it'll be very interesting to see just uh, who, who steps up. And even if like some of the younger guys uh, can, can step up as well. And that, that includes the true freshman there. Um, Bardo 222. Uh, thank you for the question with nearly every program struggling with game attendance. This is a broad one right here. What could Wisconsin do better to improve the game day experience? Um, shoot. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, sell alcohol at the stadium. Yeah, that would I be think, a start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, and Barry Alvarez even alluded to that. I was at that town hall meeting. Gosh, that was quite a while ago. Um, that was right before their open practice on April 13th. And he had mentioned that out of the blue. And I was tipped off even before that, that they were going to talk about alcohol. And I was kind of, for a second, I said, is that a question that was prompted or not? And, um, and Barry talked about it with the student section type, uh, when there's a question about the student section. Um, and, and I don't know how close they are, if at all. And I think it's, I thought there's a Todd Maluski article from the Wisconsin state journal that mentioned that it might even be. I mean, it's not even like the athletic department. It's more UW too. Uh, so I think it's broader than just the alcohol or the athletic department saying, Hey, let's sell alcohol. Sounds great. Um, I think that's one area and you're starting to see more programs, more universities adopt that. I do wonder about, ah, man, you know, I think you know, Wisconsin has the Badger bash at Union South. I see that every weekend. I think that's one thing that they do where they have the marching band come out. It's more of a family atmosphere for the families. Um, I don't know what else they can really do for football with, with the game day experiences um, outside of, I think John hit on the head with alcohol, uh, which does bring up its own risks too. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot to divulge. You can get a lot of money that way. Fans probably be feeling really good, but we don't know the prices for the alcohol. We don't know, you know, if there's limits, et cetera, there's a lot to work out that way. Um, I would even say, I mean, halftime's always meant for the marching band. So I think there could be stuff, you know, before games or, you know, I think maybe even the night before, in my opinion. Uh, but then again, that's the time for the players, you know, that go into their hotel and they get ready and they'll, you know, they do their thing, uh, before that. So you, I don't know if you want to desk, you know, I won't say desecrate, but you don't, I don't know if you want to intrude on the players, uh, rituals before the game either. But I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else, John, that really stands out to me. Yeah, I would agree. And it, obviously, it, if they were to put alcohol at Camp Randall, that doesn't solve every single one of your problems. And, and like you talked about, Jake, I don't think it's you know something that just Barry Alvarez would decide one day. I think there's there's a lot of layers to that, and there's a lot that you would have to go through. And um, uh, again, like you, at the same time, like you said, there's a, there's other schools that are now beginning that process and they're, they're starting to bring that into their college stadium. So um, that's a, that's a topic that's not going to go away. Um, you know, also, I think there's, there's a lot to do besides the game in Madison on a game day and Saturday. There's just a lot going on. And obviously the game is, is kind of the central focus of that, but with, with as much as you have going on on campus and all the, all the things that you can get involved in, uh, you know, drinking and, and otherwise, uh, the game is just kind of part of that, and uh, I think it's a good thing to have. You know, it's it's a unique game day experience. You know, people that come from the outside and they experience it, um, they certainly come away speaking highly of it. 
Um, so I, I think there's just a lot to do in Madison, and that, that's kind of a cop-out answer. Uh, but again, I, I think the whole experience isn't just I'm going to drive to Madison and go directly into the game. I think it's more about experiencing everything that's going around, you know, close to the stadium and away from the stadium. So, I, I, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it, and alcohol at the at the stadium is not the quick fix, but I think it's something that uh, could maybe start to move things in the right direction. Right. No, I, I agree with you there. I think it also too, with, you know, you talk about the whole game day experience. I think that's big where it's, you know, you're not just coming in and you're going straight to the game. There's a tailgate involved uh, back before I became part of the media. Yeah. It's not just, Oh, you're going down there for the game. It's, you know, you go down there for a tailgate. If there's a company sponsored thing, or if you get a group of friends in a parking lot, that's one thing. Or you go to Greenbush Donuts, which I know is a media favorite, uh, even though they're moving uh, a block actually closer. So it might actually be good for us um, over by the Regent, uh, for those that know where that is off of Regent and Randall. But, you know, I think, like you mentioned, you have to experience Madison as a whole. And that's even possibly even coming in Friday night. Uh, I know a lot of opposing teams come in that Friday night before uh, and they dine out and they, you know, and they experience State Street. They experience. Uh, if the farmers market's still going on early on in uh, in the season, that's another way. That's another way to to experience Madison. But, um, but yeah, uh, but that's a great question, Bardo. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, last question from uh, user K O G I A C K R J twenty four. I don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm not going to go for it there. But for basketball, who's getting the 2020 spot? Most realistic final two to three. I think we already hit upon this. A little bit, but John, what are your thoughts to close out the show? Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I would watch Stephen Crawl, a kid from Minnesota who is at Wisconsin's team camp. Um, I think he'd be a really nice fit if they miss on Carlson. Um, you know, I've, I haven't heard anything really concrete on Carlson in a while. Again, I think that Wisconsin ends up in his top group, but um, I don't know where he's really leaning at this point. Again, you have a, a good relationship with with that program, D1 Minnesota. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Carlson. But I think a guy to, uh, to watch is, is maybe Stephen Crawl from Minnesota. Uh, Savory Lewis is a guy that's been on Wisconsin's radar for some time from Illinois. He's visited at least twice. Uh, he's an athletic forward, uh, you know, that if he continues to kind of progress in the right way in July, he could come away with an offer from Wisconsin. And then, you know, we talked about Carter Gilmore too as well. So, um, I, I don't feel great about Carlson, but I think he's he's their top target, and we'll see if new names emerge uh, during the during the live period in July. I wouldn't be surprised if more offers go out too. So um, I, I don't feel great about any one person right now. Uh, I, I do think Carlson's realistic, and then I, if they offered Stephen Crawl, I think he'd be very realistic as well. Uh, but again, I think there's going to be a lot that happens in the month of July uh, that'll give us a clear picture moving forward. And folks, as we wrap up this show, let's talk real quick. John, what do we got coming up in the next couple of weeks? I know this is kind of the kind of the I mean, the coaches are on vacation. Uh, you have I know a couple of them for sure are on vacation already. You know, they report back in, in late July. But what do we got going on leading up the Big Ten Media Days? And, and literally two weeks from today, you and I will be in Chicago uh, talking to Wisconsin uh, head coach. Paul Christ and obviously who, whichever players they're going to put out there, I'm guessing Jonathan Taylor will be one of them, but who do you think, you know, like what, what should fans expect from the site coming up the next couple of weeks? Yeah. You know, we're, we're finishing out our team preview stuff, you know, filling out Wisconsin schedule and giving those previews out. I think we're about halfway done with that. 
Uh, we got some position preview stuff rolling out. And then uh, we talked about July with the live evaluation period. Uh, some AAU stuff is about to kick off soon. Uh, and my plan is to get down to Illinois in the next day or two and watch uh, Jonathan and Jordan Davis. Uh, I think they're in Deerfield at a prep hoops event. Uh, and then the NYTLA stuff will kick off uh, kind of mid-July as well with two events there. So uh, basketball coverage will, will kind of heat up and then, uh, that'll probably take us right into the start of fall camp. So uh, it's it's quieter right now uh, after you know the crazy month of June that we had uh, with the, with the dead period and with the coaches. I would imagine catching their breath and going on vacation and uh, you know once but once they get back, I think you'll see uh, you know them you know identifying some new targets and having some new offers out. So you know we'll we'll catch up with those guys. But uh, you know it's it's going to be basketball. Uh, and then that'll get us right into fall camp. And, you know, that's a really exciting time for the site. Awesome. And of course you guys can find us on, of course, social media at Badger underscore blitz for John at McNamara rivals me at Jake Coco K O C O like us on Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on badgerblitz.com. And then also we have our Instagram page and we'll have some photos coming up for spring ball or not spring ball, but fall camp. And then heading into the season two, Darren Lee does some great stuff for us there. And then for the podcast, right? Um, obviously, find us on Overtime Media. That's what we're powered by. But you guys can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify when app uh, when when available or when able to. Hey, we'd love to hear reviews for us. What can we do to make this podcast better? Uh, and, and make sure you guys keep, uh, you know, giving us those reviews. We appreciate it. We are up to 20 reviews. We are at a 4.8 rating out of five stars. We appreciate that. Uh, we love five-star reviews, but also honest guys, be honest with us. We want to make sure that this is the most Wisconsin centric podcast that you ca- call home and be part of the badgerblitz.com community. So on that note, John, uh, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, you all have a great weekend as well. Be responsible, have some fun. Uh, before we get back to the work week next week, and we'll talk to you probably early next week too. We got uh, we're gonna try to get some commits on. We're gonna talk obviously some recap if we talk some basketball, uh, other news. We got to get to some podcast version of obviously some position re- uh, previews as well, leading up to uh, the 2019 fall camp. But you'll hear more about that coming up on another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. <laughs>